You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I would like to call in the spirits. First, I'd like to call in the spirit of Skype and ask it to please... um, Hold strong for the hour of our show. Things sound a little shaky here this morning. Um, and next, I'd like to call in the spirits. So I call in the ancestors. I call in all of those who are good and true and beautiful in our ancestral line. I call out to you to join us here today that we might discover what it means to truly be in joy in our lives. I call out to all of those who lived well and died well and bring to us the legacy, the legacy that could guide us in our life if we could simply remember to reach out to you and ask for your assistance. So I call out for those ancestors to be with us here today to guide us well in our proceedings. And from my heart down to my belly, down through my feet, I reach out into the energy of the earth and all the way into the energy of the earth as a being, as this great mother. And I call out to the earth energy to be with us here today. To guide us in manifestation, how can we be here in form in a good way? Help us to understand this. Help us to feel the energy of the earth coursing through our body as we draw this energy up and send our own grounding energy down. We give thanks to the earth for place, for home, for belonging, for connection, to the fact that our ancestors walked this earth, for the fact that our descendants will. Help us to be here in a way that honors those who have been here before and opens the path for those who are coming. Spirit of the earth, help us today. Help us to feel the interconnection of all things, the great web of life, and to know our place within it. And from that place, let us draw ourselves into good relationship with ourselves, with others, with the environment, and with the spirit world. Spirit of the earth, help us to live in a good way. And with our energy firmly rooted into the earth, into this time and into this place, and with the ancestors gathered around, we reach up, all the way up through our heart and mind, out through the sky, out through the atmosphere and into the cosmos and all the way to the highest power of the universe. And as your energy is out there in the sky realms, being caressed by and caressing the heavenly bodies. Reach all the way up to the highest part of the universe and draw that energy down into your life, into your body, into these proceedings here today. And in this way, we call in protection, we call in blessing, we call in generosity and devotion, we call in excellence, we call in the energies that are required to live in a good way. And we ask for that support in all things and the inspiration necessary to see where we can step up even more fully into our own inner truth and inner being. So with the energy of the sky brought down and merged within our bodies with the energy of the earth and this great dance within us of these two energies from which all life in form as we know it is shaped, we call out to the energy of the heart. And we ask for the energy of the heart to be with us now, to be full, 
to be open, to be strong, and to be clear. We ask the energy of the heart to be with us now as that crucible that has the ability, magical though it may seem, that ability to contain the fiery passions of the belly, the passions and the reasons for why we are here, unshaped and as yet unformed, and to draw these energies up into the vessel of the heart and to draw down the clarity and the precision and the icy inspiration of the mind and to bring these energies together in the heart and to move them together in such a way that we might discover why we are here. And in that heart then to find the courage to live that in this day. And so with the spirits gathered round us and gathered within us, we ask that what needs to be said is said today and what is, needs to be heard can be heard. We ask for the spirits to guide us in all ways that our proceedings here today are good for all living things. So I want to give thanks not only to the spirits gathering around us here today and to Co-Creator Network for supporting us and making us a reality in the world, but I also give thanks to those of you, the listeners, who make us a reality in the world. So I give thanks to David and to Jennifer and to Josh and to all of those listeners who have donated to the show in the past week. If this show moves you in any way, even into disagreement, even if you're throwing things because of what is being said, know that that is to be moved in the heart, to be moved into the strong energies of the heart. And I ask you to allow yourself to be moved into action because this is the core of shamanism, to move the power of the heart into action in the world. And if um, you feel so inspired, uh, please consider donating to the show that the show can remain live and available to others who may not have the means to do so. Um, Share the shows with friends, Um, Send in a question. That would be a great idea for a new show. There are many, many ways to keep the show alive and vital and rich and full for people. And I ask you if you are moved by the show to do something to keep the show alive. If you would like to donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and to click on the support button on the site. Every dollar donated there goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And that is also a place to go for those of you who haven't found it yet to find archives of past shows. Um, You can also go to iTunes for shows and, of course, to the Kodash Creator Network site for archives of the show. They're all over the place. So today, the topic of the show is joy. And this week we are live. So if you'd like to ask questions or have comments about the show as we're proceeding here today, feel free to call in at 512 772-1938 or if you're listening through the co-creator.com site you're welcome to push the Skype button or you can email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org lastmasscenter.org uh, with your questions and you can also do that after the show or anytime you're listening to a show even if we're not live um, feel free to send in your questions and your comments so joy I thought you deserved a more summer solstice-like topic after listening to me rant here for weeks about things like spiritual warriorship and the holler bone and the wounded healer and what it really means and carrying on and on about um, the standards that we all need to step up to. And there are times that my ranting perhaps can get to be a bit much. And so today we're exploring joy, Try to pick a topic that could bring some effervescence into into all uh, that we are doing. So joy itself is what I consider an essence energy. These are energies that are either cultivated 
or weakened by our choices in life. And I believe that actually each one of us serves at least one essence energy with our life. And that in this way, humanity tends to these essences. Um, So joy is an essence energy. Now, it isn't actually one that I serve in my life. Um, (laughs) I wish it was, but it doesn't appear to be. And so it's not uh, one of the essence energies I have the greatest um, insight into. Nonetheless, we're proceeding ahead here today. And I have been asking um, since last week for inspiration for today's show. And often I begin the shows just by looking the word up and right there, right from the get-go is part of the problem with our understanding of joy in our contemporary lives. Um, So I looked up joy and it's defined as some kind of big happiness, which is a really lame definition. And um, it's probably because reference books want to steer clear of anything as imprecise as spiritual energies Um, things like essences and describing things in um, wishy-washy terms, um, which I found out trying to write about shamanism in a reference book um, in the encyclopedia. So reference books don't like imprecision. They don't like to say this is what it is. And the challenge, of course, is that joy isn't one of those things. So joy and happiness are not the same thing. They are both lovely things. But they are not the same thing. Joy requires a kind of self-alignment or a kind of alignment with the self. It can be fleeting or spontaneous. doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a master before you can experience joy. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. Um, But there is is a quality of alignment with the self that must be present for us to truly experience joy. Like I said, even if that moment of alignment is fleeting. Happiness, on the other hand, does not require alignment. Happiness is getting what you want when you want it. And that is not a bad thing. I am not uh, criticizing happiness today by any means. But we do need to acknowledge that addicts are quite happy when they have a good fix and a nice cozy place to enjoy it. Teenage boys and girls all over America are happily humiliating their schoolmates and posting their rising score of whatever contest they've got going on Facebook, further humiliating their schoolmates. Bank executives in America, at least, are happily making profits while my neighbor loses his home or their home that they've sunk um, a lifetime of savings into. So there is a great deal of happiness wrapping itself around the globe, that it coming from um, experiences that are not in and of themselves necessarily um, life-affirming and life-sustaining. But I need not go on. Uh, you get my point, that happiness is of the moment. And there are many, many beautiful reasons on any given day to experience happiness. Happiness is not a bad thing. My point is simply that it doesn't actually require any alignment with self or life force or even the great song of the universe. Happiness is um, pretty much available to anybody at any time. Now, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where there were only walls and where there wouldn't be a door for anyone else. So what Joseph Campbell did not say was follow your happiness. Happiness is an experience that is of the moment. Again, it's having what you want when you want it. And so happiness doesn't really lead us anywhere. 
Joseph Campbell, again, said, follow your bliss and the universe will open doors where there are only walls or where there were only walls and where there wouldn't be a door for anyone else. That is that place of self-alignment, right? Where there wouldn't be a door for anyone else. In other words, when we're talking about bliss or joy, we are starting to talk about things that take alignment like soul's purpose. So bliss and joy are of an entirely different order than happiness. Again, this doesn't make happiness a bad thing. It just means it's different. They're not the same. And so all of those many (laughs) definitions of joy and bliss out there on the internet aren't really very good because they pretty much all define joy as a kind of big happiness. And it is not. Joy awakens. Joy lifts. Joy opens. Joy renews the hope that healing, change, or transformation can happen. Joy opens or reconnects the knowing that spirit is there communicating with you. Joy awakens us to the song that is our song, that is our part in the great song, that is the universe singing itself into existence. Joy arises out of our accountability to ourself. It's not just about me aligning today with my soul's purpose. It's actually more about my alignment to my past selves, my accountability to my past, to all of the places in my past that I was not able to be there fully for myself and as such made a choice that was less than wholehearted less than complete, and have, in effect, left myself behind. It is in my willingness to follow the path that life offers me to find those lost selves, not necessarily lost soul parts, but those moments that I have left myself behind. It is being accountable to those moments that will bring me to joy. And similarly... It's about being accountable to my future self. And that's a somewhat different accountability. But largely it involves opening my hand. It involves releasing the grip that I might have on what I believe my future is or should be. Who I believe my soulmate is. What I'm certain my soul's purpose is regardless of what my life is showing me. And so... Accountability to my future self has to do with non-attachment. It has to do with allowing myself and my life, my soul and spirit and the great mystery all to be engaged in co-creating that future. And so joy relies or rises out of accountability to the self, to the past self and to the future self. And that this accountability is expressed through an understanding and action. In other words, I am actively involved in maintaining or cultivating in myself a state of non-attachment to the future. And I am actively involved in using the gifts that life offers me all over the place to find those selves of the past that are not unified with the woman that I am in the moment. And so joy arises out of that 
accountability to self. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, I realize. So that's a good thing. We've got 45 more minutes in the show for me to try to explain what that's all about. Um, But I hope you understand the point that I'm making about joy and happiness being different. Not better, not worse, just different. Now, I did find something on the internet, thank goodness, called The Joy Project. It's thejoyproject.com. And it exists to create a global joy community. And they see joy as an iceberg, as the largest part of the iceberg. Oh, the largest part of the iceberg is the foundation on which joy is built. The tip is what you see. Joy is something bigger than happiness. Happiness is just a small part of the iceberg. And most of us think that when we are ha- that we will be happy when we have something that we don't have now, which means we're hardly ever happy. And so the Joy Project is about recognizing that we are born with the capacity to be joyful. And we don't need anyone else's permission that we can be joyful all the time and that it's a choice and that it takes work. That's the creation of the foundation of the iceberg, I'm guessing. Um, And the Joy Project lists the 12 pillars of joy and has um, lots of activities and ways to engage with these energies and to thus cultivate joy and be part of the global joy community. So the 12 pillars are gratitude, compassion, hope, reverence, generosity, forgiveness, energy and vitality, listening, laughter, love, cheerful enthusiasm, and equanimity. Those are pretty good pillars. And I include this mostly because I am fully aware that not everyone is into shamanism. Not everyone is ready yet to take the plunge um, and may not be in this lifetime. Not everyone is into the rigors of a spiritual practice that would cultivate accountability to the self. And um, I'm happy for anyone and everyone to be listening to the show. You don't have to be deeply invested in shamanism, as I obviously am, to listen and get value from the show, I hope. So I offer up the Joy Project um, as a place to begin. If you're not really interested in the other things that I'm talking about, start there. Go to their project and um, read what they have to say. Try what they have to offer. Why not start there? Why not start somewhere today to bring joy into your life? It is there for the cultivation. It is there to arise out of any moment. And there are many, many ways. So I offer the Joy Project as a way to just begin there. So as I said, not one of the essences I serve, so I may not have the deepest insight into this energy. So I was looking for inspiration for the show today. And as is often the case in the way life really works, I received an email from Frank, a listener to the show. He shared a bit of his story so that I could understand the scope of the gratitude that he was sharing with me for this show. Well, not this one today, but why shamanism now in general. So reading Frank's story brought me to joy. And I am deeply grateful for this inspiration for today's show. So now let's look at this. Receiving an email of gratitude for the show did not bring me joy. Frank's story brought me joy. Okay, I receive emails regularly, not every day, but regularly I receive emails from people sharing their gratitude for the show, and I cherish each one in the moment. I do appreciate them deeply. Um, It makes me feel affirmed that 
things I'm doing are useful. And that's a good feeling for a human. We're very like dogs in that way. We like to know our place in the pack and be useful. And these emails do that for me. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, I feel really happy reading them. Um, Many come on days, frankly, when I could use a little boost. And the timing is perfect, as is the way things work. And I am grateful for each of these emails because they are a reminder that everything is connected. Why did this email come on this day? Because that was the day that I needed to be reminded of my own value from the outside in because perhaps I couldn't find it within myself. And I am thankfully reminded by each of these emails and how they show me how everything is interconnected that I am not in control, which is always a great relief to be reminded of. So these emails about the show are lovely. They're truly lovely. And it's not joy. It's shamanism at its essence, which I adore. It's what I ask each of you to do at the beginning of each show. If you are moved in the heart to take some kind of action and that to allow your heart to be the motivation for your action in the world is the very essence of shamanism globally. And so these emails are um, people taking action as they are motivated by their hearts. I love that. I love the thought, frankly, of provoking people into shamanism. I really mean that I love it. It strengthens my heart. Different things for different people that strengthens their heart. This strengthens my heart. It also, I will admit, gives me a little thrill about succeeding in the benevolent subversion of that which doesn't work in our system. It's all good. And it's not joy. So why did Frank's email bring me joy? And it was very interesting the other day. I was actually sitting there waiting for an appointment with my chiropractor and thinking, oh, God, I don't know I have this show ready. I, am, I knew, I was given the message that I needed to stop the ranting and do a show about joy, and now I'm stuck without any inspiration about what to write. And boink, here comes Frank's email. What was it? about that email as I sat there realizing I'm asking for inspiration about joy and I am now sitting here in joy. What was it? Frank's story is a story about joy. It was a story about his discovery of the winding path that he followed and what it meant to him to live in a way that he could be accountable to himself and in his way to find his own joy in his own life. And of course, it helps a bit that it's also a bit of a coyote story and that makes it joyful as well. But mostly, it's not coyote story. It's not my story. The part that why shamanism now played in his story um, is not large. It's mostly Frank's story, and it's a story about joy. Now, I didn't ask Frank if I could share his story because it's all just happened in the last 24 hours, and I've been was in a bit of a tizzy getting the show ready. Um, and I'm not even sure I really want to, um, but I am going to talk about it. So as I said, my part in Frank's story is very small. Um. And so the major player in this story is joy and Frank's willingness to do what makes no sense because it's the only thing that was real. 
that's a theme that runs through Frank's story, is the willingness to do what is crazy, what makes no sense, what is just, it just has to be done because it's the thing that is real. Um, it's, and so it's things like knowing that you need to leave your home, that you need to leave your job, that you need to leave your extended family. You need to leave the place your family's lived for generations for something else, even though everyone says that you are crazy. Everyone says that it will be hard and it is. They're right. It's really, really hard. And you spend many moments yourself wondering, am I crazy? I've been there. Frank's story includes this, this inevitability of doing that which is crazy. And you just have to do it anyway. Because doing what is known, what is safe, and what is expected no longer has any joy in it, if it ever did. So there is risk in Frank's story, the risk to leave, the risk to love, the risk to be someone other than your whole life experience has showed you how to be. And in those risks are the possibility to find where you are alive. Where we are alive, we can be accountable to ourselves. And it is in that moment of saying yes to ourself that there is joy. I see so many people working sincerely in their spiritual practice, often my own students working so hard to do what these shamanic teachings are asking them to do. I see so many people doing their meditations, doing their daily disciplines, doing all of these right things with such sincerity and dedication. And They are doing these things from an old place of duty and responsibility. And thus, because of that motivation, there is no joy in their spiritual practice. There is no crazy sliding down the hill, risk-taking, aha, when what you thought was happening flips over into what's really happening. And you are brought face-to-face with yourself. Joy. You know, the absence of joy is a good sign, people, that something isn't quite right. So in Frank's story, um, life as it truly is, is a mess. Because life is a mess. And Frank finds himself again and again in that risk of making an even bigger mess. And in that mess is the joy. If our spiritual practice is not bringing us to joy, it is not bringing us to ourselves. If our spiritual practice isn't bringing us to ourselves, why are we doing it? Without ourselves, there is no joy. Joy doesn't come from God. Joy is not a gift the angels bring when you do a bunch of good deeds. Joy comes because we are singing the true song of our life with our life and thus in harmony with the great song that sings the whole universe into existence. In Frank's story, he doesn't always know why he's doing what he's doing, but he is noticing once he's in the act of doing it. Where he experiences spirit, where he experiences spirit, he says yes. 
where he doesn't experience spirit, no matter how strongly people tell him he should, he steps away. He doesn't say, oh, I just need to pray better or meditate longer or practice more hours. He just steps away. If he cannot feel himself there, he steps away. If, you, if he cannot feel himself in it, he steps away. If you are not with yourself, if you are not in a position where you can be accountable to yourself, there will be no joy. So if you cannot feel yourself in your life, some part of your life, step away. I didn't say if you feel discomfort, step away. I said if you can't feel yourself, step away. Step into the discomfort. Notice what's going on, but do not stay in activities, relationships, experiences in your life that make you numb to yourself. There will be no passion there, no bliss to follow, and no joy. And in that absence of those things, no soul's purpose, no reason for you to be there other than the external reasons that brought you there in the first place. So now from Frank's story, I wouldn't actually say that he followed his bliss. I don't know whether or not Frank would say that, but I don't think so. He followed himself, which is not always blissful. But the moment, but in the moment of the self, there is always that possibility for joy. So those moments of alignment with the self, no matter how bizarrely they manifest, those moments of true joy become the beads of truth that we string together to create the shape of our real life. And by following the shape of his real life, Frank can honestly say that he's found his soul's purpose. Now I am going to quote Frank without his permission, but it's just so beautiful I have to. So Frank says, um, I have found my soul's true purpose this year. The spirits of the land have brought me here not only to teach me, me about spirit, but to share my love and knowledge of this land with others so that maybe they can find something in themselves and to get people outside. Frank says, kids today spend an average of 10 minutes outside and between five to seven hours of screen time between TV and video games and the computer every day. That no one can live a determined life or find their soul's true purpose in this way. And that was the close, mostly the close of Frank's email to me. And that reading that was when I realized it's not that he found his soul's purpose that brought me joy, but reading the whole story, which is a story about joy, brought me to joy. So in, in the pursuit of or the manifestation of his soul's purpose, Frank has started a not-for-profit called Mojave Family Experience. And you can find it on, in cyberspace at mojavefamilyexperience.org. So the mission of Mojave Family Experience is to educate families about environmental stewardship and sustainability in a natural setting. Uh, the website says, we believe that it is vital 
that today's families spend more time outside learning about our natural world. So, as a vote for joy, I encourage you to go to Frank's site. If you're inspired, then donate to Mojave Family Experience. It's in the Contact Us section. Um, And then, in your own life, offer that donation up as a sacrifice into that interface between the living and spirit. Remember in the show about the trickster, I talked about how the trickster um, presides in that interface between the humans and the spirit world. Um, The same is true in the show about the first shaman and all of these different um, places where we've talked about this interface between the human and the spirit world and how sacrifice is the currency that we offer into that interface. And so I encourage you as a vote for joy in your own life to make a donation to Mojave Family Experience. And then in your own life, at your own altar, in your own tree in your backyard, offer up that donation as a sacrifice into that interface between you and the spirit world. Offer that sacrifice up and ask spirit to guide you to your joy as Frank was guided to his and ask for that help. Take the risk to experience joy. Why not? So what about joy? What is this energy? Joy, a teacher um, years ago, I had a teacher that talked about happiness as being getting what you want when you want it, which I thought was a pretty good definition of happiness. And joy was about being accountable to yourself. And um, as Frank said, you don't find your soul's purpose by sitting inside all day, right? Joy, your soul's purpose, your bliss, your true passions, all of these energies that give, that connect us to the fire of life force within us and connect us to that which has meaning and purpose in our life. And again, the beauty of Frank's story is it is the winding path that Frank uniquely goes on with spirit and his wife and children and the spirits of the land and the whole deal of being here as a human. But is that winding path that he had the courage to walk to find what would bring true joy. And along that path, the moments of knowing, the moments of coming into alignment with himself and the joy in that that says yes. And his courage in those moments to say yes back and make that deal that makes that bead that goes on the string that creates the shape then of our real life. So joy, as I said in the beginning, requires alignment with the self. It requires a kind of accountability with yourself. And um, there's nothing wrong with just wanting to be happy. Accountability to yourself sounds scary and, uh, frankly, a little bit boring usually when we don't quite understand what it means. So there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. Nothing at all. And if you want your soul's purpose, then you're going to have to ask for joy. You may even have to forego happiness or what you think is making you happy and set your sights on joy. There's something we've talked about 
in many different ways on many different shows. And it is that life exists in the day-to-day activities of life, whether it's the activities of this time or whatever the activities were 3,000 years ago. It doesn't matter that life for humans is filled with whatever daily activities amount to. And at the same time, all the time, there are these arcs of experience that are always possible for us to step onto that give all of that dailiness meaning. We can live and die never stepping onto one of those arcs. These are arcs that are archetypal processes like rebirth, like ego death, like the transformation of an enemy into an ally through love, like finding wholeness within yourself. These are all archetypal processes that circle through your life as a possibility again and again and again. And that arc is there for you to step onto. And it lifts you into a place where you can look back at yourself and those daily activities. And it gives those daily activities meanings. Meaning. And that was part of the beauty of Frank's story is he, everything was just a daily activity, sticking on a backpack and going out into the desert. It was just an actual, everyday, ordinary reality thing. It wasn't about chasing gurus all over the planet. It was about actions, human actions, these daily actions. And the way in which he gave those actions meaning by stepping into this arc of a greater um, perspective on oneself. So we can live our entire life, born, lived, and die in the activities of a human life and never notice that there's something else, something more going on. And in that life, there, there can be happiness. But rarely do those people talk about the great passions of their life, the moments of joy, the ripping moments of grief and loss. They don't speak of their life in terms of meaning, in terms of transformation, in terms of what did it all mean? What was the purpose? And so the point that I'm making is if we want a life of meaning, and a life of purpose, a life of joy and sorrow. If we want those larger, if we have a larger appetite, then we need to be willing to step onto those arcs, those archetypal paths, and not simply lose ourselves in the day-to-day in and out of life, but to give that day-to-day in and out of life meaning from that ability to step onto this arc and look back at ourselves and have perspective. So I remember a man in my, I mean, I was in my early 20s. He was not. And he had the courage in the darkest, most pathetic um, depression that, you know, the kind that only a 20-something-year-old can dive into uh, was in to ask, where is the bliss in your life? And that question set me on to the arc of the hero's journey. So I want to acknowledge that I have already today and will be quoting Joseph Campbell, not just Frank, but Joseph Campbell. So Frank, you're in good company. And Joseph, you're in good company. 
So I'm going to be quoting Joseph Campbell, but I want to acknowledge that Campbell does not make this distinction that I'm making here today between happiness and bliss and joy. And Joseph Campbell was living in a very different time. He was living in a time when duty and honor and responsibility and integrity were wrapped a little too tightly around each other. And what Campbell offered people, in particular men, but people, actually, was a path of integrity and honor that did not require doing what everyone but you thought or felt you should be doing. And so, in a sense, Campbell teased apart duty from honor and responsibility from integrity and allowed people a way to find a path that was a path of honor and was a path of integrity Um, But it was a path where the duty and the responsibility was to the soul, the individual soul. And so Campbell also lived in a time before life, everyday life, was absolutely awash in items, ideas, products, virtual activities that we um, easily substitute for happiness, bliss, or joy. And that that there are many, many substitutions out there. And the encouragement coming from the culture to take these shortcuts, to take these lesser items, they're good enough. They're just the same. You know, this, this argument that we get through, or manipulation actually, that we get through advertising, that these things can substitute for the real deal. It's probably what I loved about Frank's story. It's about getting people outside, getting people back into nature where they can not only experience nature, but the purpose of being in nature is to experience our own true nature. This is another thing that Campbell said. Interestingly, not quite so famous for having said that. Why? Because you can't turn be out in nature to find your own true nature into a marketing campaign the way you can follow your bliss. How many of you out there have a Follow Your Bliss t-shirt? How many out there have actually done it like Frank? Like I said, Frank's journey wasn't necessarily blissful, but the point was he followed what was real for him. And that is largely what I think Campbell was saying. And to do it heroically, which means be willing to experience the discomfort as you follow what is real for you. So my point is Campbell lived in a different time and were he to be doing, well, we wouldn't be where we were if Campbell hadn't done what he did in his time. And so we owe him a great debt of gratitude. Were he here to speak to us today, I think perhaps he would begin to make a distinction between happiness and bliss and joy. But I don't know. Nonetheless, we thank him and we have great gratitude for what he did do with his life. So part of what he did do was to help us to see again what humans have seen before, but how the archetypal path of the hero or shiro is necessary for the health of the soul in any lifetime. And as Frank said, you're not going to find your soul's purpose spending five to seven hours before a screen. Right? That... To engage that arc of the archetypal path of the hero is necessary for any soul to come into its 
itself in a lifetime. Now, this is also the point of Last Mass Center and the cycle teachings here. There is no soul's purpose without spiritual warriorship. There is no warriorship without discomfort. And there is no meaningful discomfort without the ability to discern through self-reflection, what is my duty? What is my duty to my soul? And what is my duty to the great song? And this is the piece that comes to us through the shamanism, through the shamanic perspective, is that which, which goes beyond the purely psychological or mythic perspective of the human and is con- continually reminding us through the great song that we are one with all things, that the arc of my life, the hero's journey of my life, is not individual in the sense of being disconnected from all other things. That that song, that is the song of that arc of my life, is a piece of a great song. And if I live the purity of my life without that awareness of how that song is harmonizing and resonating and part of a greater song, I'm missing something. I will miss something very important. And that is the piece to me that shamanism adds to the work of great people like Joseph Campbell. Is that we are not in this alone. And this is for me the beauty of Frank's story. Is that it, it's about what he gained from the spirits of nature. And that he's bringing people back to the spirits of nature. So there is this, this dance between the arc of Frank's life and the arc of his song in the greater song, in the, in the great song that sings all of existence into manifestation. Now, the bigger point here of today's show is that none of this makes any sense at all without joy. Why would you bother? Why would we risk so much? Why would we stand in our discomfort? Why would we, frankly, work so hard if it weren't for those moments of joy, those resounding cosmic yeses in which we know ourselves and we know ourselves as one with the universe? None of this makes any sense without joy. Without joy that arises from the doing of it, none of it makes any sense. None of it fills the heart. And none of it resonates with the great song if we are not willing to risk joy. And so this is what I would say to each one of you that is so dedicated and devoted to your spiritual practice, that you do all of your homework, that you check everything twice, that you meditate every day, you do it all, and yet there is no joy in your life. What I would say to you is the Tao must be broken. The Tao that becomes too rigid must be broken. There is no Tao without joy. There is no life without joy. Risk joy. Break it all. Make a mess. Find the joy in it. It is there somewhere. But like Joseph Campbell teased apart the duty and the honor so people could find honor again 
and reject the duties they felt were placed on them. And let me say an example of what I mean by that. I work with a lot of women, and there's an entire big fat generation of women. The women aren't fat, but the generation is a big generation. It probably covers a couple generations. Where women were told that their duty was to their husband and their children and that that was their soul's purpose. And if they did not gain a sense of meaning from that, there was something wrong with them. This is what I mean about teasing apart duty and honor. So that a person, male or female, can find an honorable life of integrity that may not be the duty others gave to them or told them that was theirs. So my point was that I was making is that none of this makes any sense without joy. And so to quote Campbell, Campbell said, to find your own way is to follow your bliss. To find your own way is to follow your bliss. That doesn't necessarily mean every step is blissful. This is me, not Joseph Campbell. And this is what I saw in Frank's story, that he found his own way. He... he, was devoted to that voice in himself that said yes or no. Yes, we can go this way. No, we can't because I can't find myself here. And so I think this is what Campbell is saying. To find your own way is to follow your bliss. This involves analysis, watching yourself and seeing where the real deep bliss is. Not the quick little excitement, but the real, deep, life-filling bliss. Now, what have I said perhaps 4,092 times on various shows here in Why Shamanism Now, but that your passion, your true passion is the energy that will rise up and fill you no matter your actual state of exhaustion, no matter what you're doing, where you are, that your passion will not be detoured by any of that, that your passion is the thing that is this deep, real, life-filling bliss. So what is your real deep bliss if it is not your true passion? What burns within you with life force when you are in it and leaves you cold when you are not, even when you thought you should be? This dance is what I see in Frank's story, that discerning. Campbell calls it analysis, but now that has its own big meaning. And I think this is simply that willingness. Some call it self-reflection. Frank just calls it listening to himself. What burns within you with life force when you are in it and leaves you cold when you are not, even when you thought you should be? This is the guide. This is the compass that Frank found in his journey. Where was he with himself and where was he not? It's all he ever asked and it worked. So for me, when I began to follow my passion, well, when I got healthy enough to feel my passion and then began to follow it, I really began to feel this rising feeling daily of loving my life. And I would just find myself just speaking right out loud, God, I love my life. And I had never felt that way. And frankly, 
prior to that, for a couple decades, I'd been pretty depressed. So this feeling of really loving my life was a part of that. And I hear this from clients often after sessions, after they've integrated certain soul parts that have been missing, that they really love their life now. And I hear this sometimes from students as they're succeeding in integrating different processes that we've done in workshops and, and manifesting the transformations. I hear them saying, God, I can't believe this is what it was about, but I love my life now. And you hear it in Frank's story about living his life and loving his life. And it really sorts of translates, as I was been thinking about this, that oh, exclamation to the self, not to anybody else, to the self, I love my life, is also saying, I love being alive. I love being alive. You know, love isn't always happy. You know, loving my life, that feeling of loving being alive, isn't about being happy. Not that being happy is bad. It's a nice thing to have. But it isn't about that. At that place, when you're exclaiming to yourself, oh, God, I love my life. At that time in my life, I wasn't happy day to day. I still couldn't pay my bills. I still was pretty stressed out about food, shelter, the basics. Didn't have a job, not a real job at least. Uh, well, a steady job. Um, was still trying to dance and not really doing very much of it. There was great um, confusion and disappointment in that. But I love my life, right? Because I'd found that passion and I was riding that sea creature and I was not going to let go. I was not going to lose that beast again because life was just too painful without it. And so loving life isn't really about being happy. It can be actually sort of unhappy. Uh, but loving life and all of its messiness and finding yourself in the messiness does include joy. And that's the thing about joy. To feel joy, you don't have to have everything you want in the moment. You just need yourself. Joy is about your own alignment with yourself and your own willingness to live in that tr truth. There's a quote, another quote from Campbell that says, participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure the world of sorrows, but we can choose to live in joy. Now, I'm not exactly sure the context that this one statement came out of, and we could probably interpret it many different ways. But in the context of the show here, as we come, come to the end of the show, I think that this is part of what he's saying, that this joy and happiness actually are not necessarily connected. But that we can participate joyfully in the sorrows of the world. We cannot cure those sorrows, but we can choose to live in the world joyfully. One of the things about being aligned with your soul's purpose and feeling your true passion, knowing why you are here, even if in this particular day, you're utterly thwarted in manifesting it, which means it's not a very happy day. It is still a joyful day. It is a joyful day because you are aligned with yourself. And for me, I would take that joy resonating at the core of my being at the end of every long day 
any day over moments of happiness. Not that I don't want my moments of happiness and pleasure and the simple things in life. But they lose their deeper meaning when there is no joy. Everything loses its deeper meaning when there is no joy. Because where there is no joy, you are not present. And when you are willing and able to be present to yourself, no matter the circumstances of your life, there can be a moment of joy. So another thing that Campbell said about joy, he said, find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. So perhaps this is the thought, not so much the thought about pain to leave you with, but the thought about the joy being innately inside of you. You, obviously, you know, the big duh of all of these spiritual teachings is you are what is inside of you. You, you and the soul's purpose you come here with are innate. No matter the path of your life till this point in time, you, who you are and your unique purpose, that beautiful gift you have to give to the world is innate. No one can take it from you. No one can do it for you, but no one can take it from you. No one can damage you so fully that you would lose why you are here. And in that, many other things come to rest in the center of your being, regardless of your life's path. Because with that knowing that your purpose remains within you, unique and ready, in that knowing, you understand that your own inherent sovereignty, your own inherent right to be here, to take a stand within yourself, to be accountable to yourself, to accept your life and your part in it, every moment that has been, to pull yourself back from the moments that have not happened yet, and to be with yourself in your sovereignty in the moment, and to choose to exercise your right to choose. In that, all those energies I have described are inherent, are innate to you. No one gives you permission to use them, or there's no need to wait for anyone to give you permission to use them. And no one can take them from you, ever, no matter the circumstances of your life. And it is in these energies, your own innate sovereignty, your own constant opportunity to stand fully with yourself and to be accountable to yourself and in your right to choose. In this is your soul's purpose. And in all of this is your joy. May you find moments of joy in each day this week. And thank you all for joining me this week. I thank the ancestors for being with us and those who lived lives of joy and can teach us how to do so in the time in which we are incarnate. Give thanks to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Give thanks to Co-Creator Network for supporting us, all of you who listen and support us, and thanks to all of those who have helped me to keep the show going and keep it available to people through the website and such. So thank you all. Thanks to Frank for his story and his inspiration. May you all find a piece of joy in this week. <laughs>